From the Heidelberg Catechism, we read together Lord's Day 48. What is the second petition? Your kingdom come. That is, so rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you. Preserve and increase your church. Destroy the works of the devil, every power that raises itself against you, and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes, wherein you shall be all in all. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, for almost 2,000 years, the Christian church has been praying the Lord's Prayer. Daily throughout the world, millions pray, your kingdom come. Many praying this prayer know something about Jesus and about the Bible. Yet when we speak about the Lordship of Christ and about the kingdom of God, it's something that many do not fully understand. Many think that this is simply a prayer for the final return of Christ. They forget that before Christ comes back, he has promised to gather all his children to himself in faith. You see, beloved, when we pray, your kingdom come, we're asking for something big. It's a lot bigger than asking God to bless our food or to be with the poor, sick, and needy. We're praying for God to invade our lives and transform them. We're praying for Christ to gather, defend, and preserve his church throughout this world. We're asking God to destroy all those opposed to him and his salvation work. Praying your kingdom come is asking our Father to manifest his life-changing power in all of life. To understand this, we need to know what the kingdom of God is. Can we include the whole of this world in the kingdom of God? Or does it refer only to the church? To answer these questions, we need to understand that the kingdom of God refers more to more more than just a land or a nation governed by a king. When the Bible refers to the kingdom of God, it speaks about God's rule, about God's sovereignty. When we pray, your kingdom come, we're asking God to reign over us in such a way that his purposes are accomplished. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. Christ teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. We'll see the basis of this prayer is Christ's completed work. The focus of this prayer is on progress in Christ's work. And the goal of this prayer is the fulfillment of Christ's work. To a certain extent, it seems strange that we're instructed to pray, your kingdom come. Before he ascended into heaven, didn't Jesus say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me? When he ascended, did Christ not sit down on the throne at the Father's right hand? Ephesians 1.22 says that God put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. We heard this in the Lord's greeting at the beginning of our service. God spoke to us saying, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's our Heavenly Father. 
And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, a reference to the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Note it says that Christ is the ruler of kings on earth. We actually know him to be Lord of lords and King of kings. But then why pray that his kingdom come? Isn't it already here? Yes, beloved, the kingdom of God has come. Jesus Christ came into this world. He suffered and died. He paid the price to redeem us, to make us citizens of his kingdom. He is king, and we are his subjects. And yet there's a problem. Hostile forces have invaded the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Countless citizens of the kingdom refuse to acknowledge that Christ is king. Instead, they're under the dominion of the evil one. Perhaps an example will help to explain this. In World War II, the Dutch army was defeated and the queen fled to England. She remained queen. She continued to rule over her citizens from abroad. Via radio, she continued to speak to her subjects and encouraged them in the fight against national socialism. Many of the Dutch citizens remained faithful to her. But invaders were in the land. And they insisted they were in charge. Some of the citizenship agreed. These were traitors who sided with the enemy. The result was that the country was divided. Some were loyal to the queen, others, others to the invaders. It brought conflict between one man and his neighbor, even between members of the same family. Well, basically the same thing has happened in the kingdom of God. In the beginning, God exercised dominion over all of creation. Everything he made was good, and man was devoted to his service. But then paradise was invaded by Satan. He led mankind into sin. The result was God gave mankind over into the dominion of the evil one. Man became a slave of sin and of the devil. Of his own accord, man could do nothing to save himself from the power of Satan. The result of the fall into sin was that Satan was empowered to rule over the hearts and lives of mankind. In his good pleasure, God decided to reestablish his kingdom on earth. He already promised Adam and Eve that he would send the Messiah to defeat Satan, to restore his people to himself. In the Old Covenant, the sacrifices and ceremonies of the law pointed forward to the coming of Christ. Moses and the prophets spoke of his coming to redeem God's people from their sins. It's only through the Messiah that a great light would shine into this dark world. Christ is the only one who could overcome the devil's dominion in this world. God's promises about the establishment of his kingdom on earth were fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ's kingship, his rule over the people, is apparent in the Gospels. They show us how the people of Israel received Jesus' words because they were spoken with authority. They show us how Jesus performed many mighty deeds. He healed people of their diseases, making the lame walk, the blind see, and the deaf hear. He exercised authority over the wind and the sea. All those who had 
ears to hear and eyes to see, could perceive that in Christ the kingdom of God had come. Our reading from Matthew 12 makes it especially clear that God established his kingdom on earth through his son, Jesus Christ. This passage speaks about the healing of a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute. The people were amazed. They asked, Can this be the son of David? They were asking if Jesus might be the long-awaited Messiah. Instead of admitting that Jesus' power came from God, the Pharisees said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of the demons, that this man casts out demons. Jesus showed that this claim was ridiculous. He said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. Why would Satan cast out one of his own evil spirits to set a demon-oppressed man free? He'd be working against himself. Instead, Jesus makes clear the source of his power to cast out demons and what that means about God's kingdom work. He says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Beloved, Satan's desire is to rule over this world and all those who are in it. He had power and authority to influence, even to rule over the hearts and lives of many. Throughout the ages, millions of people in heathen nations have lived in bondage to him. Satan's influence among God's covenant people has also been great. And yet we see that in Christ, the kingship of God is established. Christ speaks about binding the strong man. So he could enter his house and plunder his goods. The Lord Jesus healed the blind and mute man and cast out the demons that oppressed him. It was a sign of the redemptive work he had come to do. 1 John 3 verse 8 tells us, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ that the kingdom of God was established on earth. He's the only one who could fight against the kingdom of darkness and win. The Gospels show us that Christ's public ministry was a continual battle between him and Satan. In every possible way, Satan tried to bring Christ into subjection to him. He tempted Christ. He turned God's people against him. He prevented Christ's disciples from understanding what the kingdom of God was really all about. And yet, through all of this, Christ remained faithful to his Father in heaven. He continually prayed for strength to carry out his task here on earth. And in the end, he established the kingdom of God by suffering and dying for our sins on the cross. Christ won the victory over Satan when he gave up his life for us. Through the shedding of his blood, he paid for all our sins. By doing so, he has made us righteous before God. Satan no longer has any claim on us. The gospel teaches us that Christ has claimed us as his own. We belong to him. He has reconciled us to the Father. He has sent his spirit to dwell in our hearts. 
that through his work we might be led and directed in God's ways. Satan's power over us has been broken. His dominion over this world has been weakened. Our reading from Revelation 12 makes this clear. Formerly, Satan had access to heaven to bring accusations against God's children day and night. Yet with the victory of Christ on Calvary, Satan and his angels were banished from heaven. For Christ ascended into heaven. He sat down on the throne of power at God's right hand. In heaven, Christ is King Supreme. Heaven no longer has any rebels in it. In heaven, all the angels and all God's redeemed people acknowledge and worship Christ as King. Yet that's still different on earth. Satan and his fallen angels were cast down to the earth. He's invaded this part of God's kingdom. He does all in his power to stir up rebellion against the king. Revelation 12, 12 warns us, Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has gone down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Verse 13 tells us, When the dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. And verse 17 says that the dragon was furious at the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring on those who obey the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Satan has invaded Christ's earthly domain. He does his utmost to turn God's children against the King of glory. You might wonder what all this has to do with the second petition. Everything. The fact that the kingdom of God has come in this world through Christ is the basis for our prayer about the coming of God's kingdom. If it were not for Christ's victory, we would be without hope in this world. Our prayers for God's rule over our hearts and lives would be meaningless. Our prayers for Christ to preserve and increase His church would be groundless. Our prayers for God to destroy the works of the evil one would fall flat. It's because Christ has come into this world, because he has won the victory over Satan with his death and resurrection, that we're able to pray to God for his mercy and grace in our lives. Thus, the fact that Christ has established the kingdom of God on earth is the basis for praying the second petition. Brings us to our second point, and we'll see that the focus of this prayer is on progress in Christ's work. Beloved, we've seen that in this world we are at war. Invaders have come and taken over God's world, and many of the world's citizens have sided with the enemy. There are strong forces arrayed against Christ and his kingdom. While much of the Western world used to be Christian, it no longer is. Secularism has taken over. God has been pushed aside. Many consider him irrelevant in their daily lives. Just think of the different forces arrayed against the kingdom of Christ. The sexual revolution has convinced people that they're in charge of their own bodies and they can live how they please. Hollywood has promoted an agenda 
that's completely undermined God's commandments. Materialism has legitimized covetousness, greed, and extravagant living. The media has a narrative that it promotes as the news, but which is often filled with lies and deceit. Many of this world's ultra-rich are in cahoots with government leaders and big tech in promoting their own anti-Christian agenda. While many of these people are not aware of it, they are pawns of the spiritual forces of darkness. Through them, Satan has much influence over the lives of many. The Bible tells us that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. We know many are in his clutches. We know that he even has a strong influence on our own lives. The context of our spiritual warfare, we need to pray for more than just our daily bread and for a good night's sleep. We need to pray that many people may come to see Christ as the king he is, that they may be set free from the bondage of sin and Satan and come to know the Lord Jesus and submit their lives to him. The Catechism begins this explanation of the second petition by having us pray for ourselves. We are to pray, so rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you. By nature, beloved, we do not like to be subject to anyone else. We like to be our own boss, in charge of our own lives, to live as we please. The reason we're like this is because we've been corrupted by the fall into sin. Our mind was polluted, so we no longer knew the truth about God. Our will became stubborn and rebellious against Him. Our heart was turned away from His service. Therefore, we need to be transformed. Our lives need to be turned around so that we're made able and willing to serve God. So we pray for the coming of God's kingdom, for Him to rule over our hearts and lives by His Word and Spirit. You see, beloved, even though we acknowledge that Christ is King, we so often do not submit ourselves to His Lordship. So we need to pray for God's grace and Spirit, that Christ may enlighten our minds that he makes it our heart's desire to do as well. That he makes us wholehearted in our service of him. There is a battle involved in the Christian life. The Bible teaches us to fight the good fight of the faith. It's a daily struggle. Yet Christ has not left us on our own. He has come to make his home in us. His spirit is there to guide and direct us. When we read and when we study the Bible, the Spirit uses this to encourage us and to direct us. He enables us to make progress in our lives as Christians, so more and more we live God-glorifying lives. In the second petition, we do not only pray for ourselves, we pray for all God's people. Catechism shows this by making reference to the church. When we pray, your kingdom come, we're asking God to preserve and to increase his church.
There is a close connection between the kingdom of God and the church. For God calls together the subjects of his kingdom in his church. As Christians, we may not be content to be on our own, separated from the body of Christ. On our own, it's so much easier for Satan to attack us and to lead us astray. We're called to join and unite with fellow believers in the church of God. It's to his church that Christ grants many spiritual blessings. It's to his church that he grants the preaching of the gospel. It's to his church that he grants the sacraments. It's to his church that he grants office bearers to lead his people in his ways. It's in the church that we also benefit from the communion that we have with brothers and sisters in Christ. We see God has given the means of grace to his church. Church is our haven from the attacks of Satan and all his forces. The church is also the means that God uses to proclaim his message to the world. Christ has called us to go forth and make disciples of all nations. If Christ is truly king of our lives, we'll see how privileged we are to being redeemed from sin and Satan. We'll want to share that with those who are currently living in bondage. We'll witness of Christ in our personal lives by speaking of the excellency of our Savior, by living godly lives. We'll also support the spread of the gospel through mission and evangelism. Our desire, our prayer is that Christ preserve and increase his church. We pray that he will guard and protect it from Satan's attacks, that he will continue to gather the subjects of his kingdom into it. Brings us to our final point. The goal of this prayer is the fulfillment of Christ's work. The Catechism has shown us the mighty forces arrayed against us. It's made us aware of the fact that we're involved in a spiritual battle in which the devil will do his utmost to draw us away from being citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And yet the Catechism does not lead us to fear and despair. Our confession actually ends on a very positive note. We're to pray for God to make us faithful and submissive, to preserve and increase his church, to destroy the works of the devil. We're to do all this until the fullness of God's kingdom comes, wherein he shall be all in all. Beloved, please note carefully that we are not to do this so that the kingdom will come. We are to do this until the fullness of God's kingdom comes. It's going to come. It's only a matter of time. You see, the question is not, it isn't a question of whether or not Christ's kingdom will come. Whether or not he's going to have this whole world under his feet. No, he will. It's not that we have to labor so hard and then finally we'll arrive at it. It's not that we need to conquer the devil in this realm and overcome him in that realm so that the kingdom of our God may come. No, it is this, that we do these things, that we pray until Christ's kingdom comes in perfection. It's going to come. 
There's no doubt in your minds about that. Is there, beloved? Christ's gathering and preserving work will continue unabated. No matter what kind of fury Satan pours out on the church until the final outcome is certain, Christ is coming again on the clouds of heaven. He is coming with power and glory. And that day will be a day of rejoicing for all his saints. Christ is going to gather us to himself. He's going to allow us to enter the joy of our master. But it's going to be a terrible day for all Christ's enemies. They'll be cast into hellfire and suffer eternal condemnation. See, we have news for the world around us. We have news for them that Jesus Christ is king. His kingdom is going to be noticed and it's going to be very clear to everyone. We have news for the world. It is living on borrowed time. Soon every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christ Jesus is ruling. His rule is going to be perfect. It's going to be complete. There's nothing in this world of which he's not going to say, that is mine. There's nothing here that he's not going to rule. For Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and King of kings. In spite of what we sometimes think or see, Christ is eternal king. At the end of time, he will deliver the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Even the last enemy, death, which always seems to win, is going down to defeat. And then when all the enemies are done away with, the Son will subject himself to the Father, that God may be all in all. At the end of time, Christ will say to the Father, Now my work is truly done. It's all complete. It's perfect. Now I hand the kingdom back to you, that you may be all in all. You know what that means? It means there will be no more enemies. No more Satan, no more sin. No more death, no more rebellion. God will be everything to everyone. We will dwell in communion with our Father. We will serve Him perfectly. Such will be the final victory of our King. Therefore, beloved, let's not just pray for the little things of life, let's dare to pray big prayers. In his word, God gives us perspective. He teaches that the kingdom of God has been established on earth by our Savior, Jesus Christ. He calls us to pray earnestly for the progression of this kingdom, that God rule over us by his word and spirit, that he preserve and increase his church, that he destroy all the works of the devil. Christ calls us to pray for his return, that the fullness of his kingdom may come. Beloved, when we pray the second petition, we can do so confidently. We see this in the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. There we confess, for yours is 
the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Christ has won the victory over Satan through his death and resurrection. He is reigning from the throne at God's right hand. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to him. Our Lord is Lord over all and richly blesses all who call on him. As our king, he will allow us to share in the blessings of his kingdom, both now and forevermore. Glory be to his holy name. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together from hymn 45. <clears throat>